ministry in the church can be life-giving and life-changing. And in the midst of it, we all need faithful companions along the road. Welcome to Along the Road, a podcast on faith and leadership for ministry leaders of the PCUSA. Hello, church people. My name is Manuel Silvesterich, and we welcome you to another encounter along the road. I want to wish you a happy 2023 and a fruitful beginning of calling for some of our listeners that have started serving the congregation, a presbytery, or synod, or as leaders in your sessions. Uh, we are so happy uh, that you're beginning this year in this call. Uh, transitions are difficult, we know. Changes create doubt sometimes, of course. Um, so today we take a moment to reflect uh, with our guest on the importance of transitions and the transitional ministry too. With us is Reverend Mason Todd, transitional pastor of New Hope Presbyterian Church in Lexington, North Carolina, who also happens to be a CLC consultant with OGA and a COM, a comedian ministry leader in the Salem Presbytery. Welcome, Mason. Thank you so much. Glad to be with you. So glad you're here with us uh, today. Uh, of course, we have been working together for the past uh, 20 years. <laughs> How much has it been since? Year and a half? Since, Two since years. Because it was right oh. before the pandemic, right? Yeah, yeah. So two and a half years. Okay, yeah. It feels like 20. It really <laughs> does. So now we're going uh, together through the transition of the CLC system also that we're starting and we're going to talk a little bit about that today, but not that much. Um, <laughs> but it's been a very interesting two and a half years. No, three years now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. three years. Um, and and I'm happy for you to be here because um, uh, your ministry is very uh, special, and 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 not only in in a way that it's new to our system, Presbyterian system, but also that. Now, after the pandemic, we have received so many calls right. on, uh, on my office uh, just to talk about transitional ministry yeah. um, and, and people giving also testimonies on how uh, transitional ministry has helped them. So, um, I mean, it's, it's great. How many years have you been a transitional minister? Yeah, so uh, I'm going on year six of transitional ministry. Um, it's funny, you were talking about how new it is. I guess it's really only been the last 20 years that uh, transitional ministry has been a thing. Um, we have had interims or bridge pastors, you know, those mm -hmm. people that come in right after a pastor has been there for a while and then they move on to the next one and this person just serves in this middle capacity. So they have somebody preaching. Oh, yeah. um, and it's been, I guess, 15 to 20 years where we've really been intentional with what does transitional ministry look like and what should it look like for the health of the church. So, And transitional ministry comes from the interim ministry also, right? It does, it does. That's a, mm -hmm. that's a great point. So when we're talking about definitions, we had interim ministers right. and now we use terminology transitional minister um, to really talk about that same work that was being done. Um, but on a different level um, so that we're not just interim as in being in the middle of, but that we're helping a church through the process of figuring out really who they are before mm -hmm. they call their next minister. And accomplishing a goal and knowing that you're going to be there for 
just exactly. I mean, you've got a set period of time to get work done, mm-hmm. and then you're you move on to the next church. That's great. Yeah, uh, you have been with CLC for three years with OGA, correct? Um, and you have encountered different ministries in different stages of life and ministry. You have read many MIFs. Oh yes. <laughs> uh, how have you seen transitional ministry help support congregations? Um, and how have you approached PNCs that that just haven't considered transitional ministry as an option in the call search? Yeah, that's a great question. We are at a loss or a lack of enough transitional ministers in the Presbyterian Church right now. Right, mm-hmm. like it is for sure a pastor's market when it comes to transitional ministry. Um, we have so many churches that are asking for transitional ministers. And even those that are in the midst of, uh, maybe they just heard that their minister is retiring or they are have already lost their, minister, their previous minister and they're looking for the next person. There's a lot of churches who either don't know really what transitional ministry is or they are unaware of the work that should be done in this um, liminal space, this time in between, right? Where a church had a, um, oh gosh, uh, not I don't wanna yeah. call it characteristics, but mm-hmm. a, a particular way of doing things. Yeah. And then they lost that person who kind of led them into that. Mm-hmm. And you continue to do things for the sake of doing them or because you've always done them. And the transitional minister, at least from my perspective, I think helps a congregation to really do some self-reflection and look at who they are and what they're hoping to accomplish for the kingdom of God. And then once they have established that, then you can look for the person that can help you to live into that reality instead of saying, well, we need somebody to tell us what to do. We need somebody to show us what our vision ought to be. Well, that really isn't how the church ought to work, right? A church should have its own identity Mm -hmm. of who they are and what they feel God's calling them to. And then they bring a person in that can help to strengthen that vision rather than a transitional minister uh, or not a transitional, but a next pastor coming in and saying, all right, I'm setting the vision for the church. One in the interview process, mm-hmm. that can be ridiculously intimidating for a PNC to say, we don't really know what we want to do, but we want you to tell us what to do. <laughs> <laughs> and it happens. It does and all the time, yeah. which is really sad because the churches, there's so many churches that are just great, right. great people. They, mm-hmm. they have a real love for God and want to serve in a very faithful way. Yeah. And they just haven't thought to do the work of really discerning who they are as a congregation. And so I think we have lots of of, uh, churches who end up saying, well, we need to find our next pastor because Mm -hmm. we we need to be certain, right? We need to have that certainty that we have a pastor in place that's gonna be with us. Right. And hopefully for the next 10, 15, 20 years, like the last one was, 28 years, you know, and right. or, or whatever, <laughs> however long it was. And, and that's just not the case anymore. We don't, we really don't have ministers that are staying in places for 20 plus years anymore mm-hmm. uh, for one reason or another, family circumstance, life circumstance, whatever it may be. Um, there's a short term and it's really important to have a church reinitiate 
this discernment process every few years, even if they have a long-term pastor to consider who is it that God is calling them to be in that moment and in that space and in that time. Um, and the transitional work is that. And that's what's really exciting for me as a transitional pastor is to come into a congregation and let them be church mm-hmm. around me. Let me see what it looks like for them. Right. And then to start to ask questions. You know, why, why do you do this? What, what, was the, what was the beginning of this? Why was it created? Um, do you still have a passion for it? Do you love doing that still? Mm-hmm. Does that ministry still serve a purpose? Does that ministry still serve the community? Yeah. If it doesn't serve the community, mm-hmm. should we be doing it anymore? Sometimes, sometimes we, we've, we've seen um, um, ministries in, in churches that, you know, the people that were um, columns in that ministry have passed away or have, have are gone. Right. Uh, they're not there anymore. What they want is to find someone that can fill yes. that, 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 that void. That void. Yeah. And, and someone who can fill those shoes of that person. And sometimes it's, we have to uh, reimagine or uh, re- reorganize yeah. um, that calling or that ministry. Well, that's that a great point. I mean, uh, you know, we were having a conversation not too long ago about the fact that church just doesn't like change, right? Like we, <laughs> not only does the church not like change, but Presbyterians really don't like change. Um, and it's, that is a difficult thing to run up against in an age where change is constantly happening. And we're living in an age of change, regardless of what it might be in every other facet of our lives. Mm-hmm change is occurring at a ridiculously rapid pace, whether it's medicine or technology or whatever it may be, relations internationally. Our bodies, our our mind. Yeah, everything. Like it's all in change and start to shake the timbers of to say, hey, you know, this is, um, it is faithful for us to remain in the foundations of our faith and the foundations of our uh, denomination. But it is also very faithful for us to look at our context and say, how do we as the church respond to the changing world around us? Mm-hmm. Which means that we're going to have to change. A transitional minister is sort of like having a consultant mm-hmm. come in, right? Um, mm-hmm. Businesses have consultants come in all the time to tell them how they can uh, run their business better. Um, a transitional minister helps a church to focus themselves on the, th- on the things that they are passionate about. And if I'm doing my job well as a transitional minister, my hope is that by the time my work is done, I have created a space where the congregation can one, be as healthy as it possibly can be. Mm-hmm. And two, have a very focused vision of who they are so that in their search process, they are very certain about the type of person that they would like to come in and walk alongside them in their ministry. That does a couple of things. One, it allows the congregation to develop this very common core sense of who they are um, as, a, as a community of faith. But two, I think it shortens the search process, right? Because you're so sure That's about the type of person that you mm-hmm. want that you can have conversations with people and say, you know what, you, you fall right in line with what we want for ministry or you know pretty quickly, no, that's, and that's okay, right? 
having a, having a conversation with a potential candidate and realizing they're not the person for you is not the worst thing that could ever happen to mm. a PNC. In fact, it allows you as the PNC to know you're pretty certain about who you want, right? Yeah. You, you have a very clear vision of, of what you hope for for the ministry. And I think the clearer the vision, the faster the search because you can find that person and you know, rather than saying, oh, but there could be somebody better that comes along later. Yeah. Do we wait? No, <laughs> no, <laughs> don't wait. <laughs> How do you see transitional ministry evolving during new, these new times in the life of the church? Uh, I, I, I don't want to say post, post-pandemic. Sure, we're, we're still, still in, the mi- yeah. Yeah, in the middle of it yeah. at the end, hopefully. Oh, gosh. Um, uh, how do you see the, uh, the transitional ministry evolving now? That's, that's a good question. I, I think we have to realize that ministry as a whole is in the midst of transition. Like the yeah. whole of the church mm-hmm. is in the midst of transition. And oh, so we saw it in past general assembly. Right. Definitely. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And we are having to live into this new way of doing things, whether it is um, being willing to have, I mean, I, I really don't know a church that started doing online worship during the pandemic because they had to, that does not continue to do it now. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a, a piece of, of who the church is now. We are gonna do this regardless of if somebody's actually gonna be live watching us or if they're gonna watch it later on. In transitional ministry, I think we're at a place where we are having to help churches recognize um, what they're capable of doing. Mm-hmm. You know, We're living in an age where the mainline denomination is dwindling and it's just reality that we have. It's, I don't think it's um, unfaithful or unhopeful to say that we just have to look at church differently. And so I think transitional ministry might look a lot like helping churches realize, can you afford a full-time person anymore? Do you need to partner with some other ministries that have shared values that you can then go in and find a minister to be the minister of all like two, three different ministries Mm -hmm. that work together? That's gonna be not just the work of COMs, but I think transitional ministers, because I think churches have the funds to afford full-time people for a particular period of time. Sure. But after that, what happens, right? The, those kinds of models are probably not gonna be sustainable in the long term, mm-hmm. And so we're gonna have to, as transitional ministers, kind of reinvent how we are gonna do yeah. ministry for churches and help churches recognize there, there's different ways of doing it and mm-hmm. that are still vibrant. Yeah. So um, how, um, uh, how can Presbyteries use uh, the transitional ministry, uh, not only for those churches who, are, um, who, who, who just ended a 20-year mm-hmm. relationship with a pastor and they're looking for a new pastor, or they went through a... Um, a, a hard breakup. Yeah. <laughs> that went through a hard breakup. Yep. Um, um, but also those congregations that their ministry is ending. Yeah. How, how, can, how can mid-councils support um, those small congregations to help them go through the discernment of the next calling mm. or the next ministry? Yeah. Because I, I, I'm not... I will never say 
a church has died. Sure. That and sometimes that's that's the wording that comes out of people. Sure. No, the ministry is changing. Yeah. But yeah. the calling is still there for the church. So how do you think uh, presbyteries could use um, or could um, um, envision transitional ministry working this way? Yeah. I, I, I think it is incumbent upon the transitional minister to, and I don't want to call it, this is going to sound terrible, to not become friends with the congregation that you are doing transitional ministry with. You can love those people and yeah. you can allow them to love you, but you can't get to a place where you're not able to tell them hard truths mm. or, or faithful truths that are very different from what they expected. <laughs> Oh wow! Um, so you know, we we talk all the time about we ask for we we pray to God asking for particular things, mm-hmm. and often God answers in ways we did not <laughs> expect. Right? Yeah. The, you know, the thing that we asked for wasn't really what we needed; it was what we wanted, and God answers in the way that we need rather than the way we want. Definitely. And I think for the church, it's the same way. And so. COMs and transitional ministers, I think, have to work in tandem with one another with these congregations to help them recognize what's the best end of life care mm-hmm. for these congregations. I talk about it in terms of, of end of life care like a, like a person. Yeah. Right. We want the very best for this person. We want them to be the most comfortable. We want them to have the um, the best life they can to the very end. Right. For other congregations, they're going to recognize that they have a few good years where mm-hmm. they could do some just amazing things. <laughs> and what might it look like to just go with with, in, with a band? Yeah, to like go all out, right? Or what would it look like for yeah. a congregation to say, you know what? There's a congregation that's 15 miles away from us. Mm-hmm. It's a different congregation, but it's Presbyterian. We have this chunk of change in our, our accounts, right? But yeah. we've only got six to 10 members. Mm. What might it look like for that congregation to say, let's close up shop now. Let's, this location, yeah. let's take all of the resources that we have, including our people, and let's go to this other congregation. Mm. Let's reinvigorate that congregation, mm. not only financially, but mm-hmm. with people and see what could happen. I, I think we've gotten into this rut in the church of saying we had an established church and we have, yeah. it's something has to happen here mm-hmm. for us to continue to be faithful in the ministry that we had started or had lived into for 30, 40 years. Yeah. And, and I know I'm a young person saying this. So folks who are older and listening are like, oh, that's, that kid doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> I get that. I, and I, I feel that perspective sometimes. I, at least I knew uh, retired people that uh, that are going to transitional ministry now that they're saying, yeah, we need to go through this too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, so it's it's. I think that we could could do some really amazing things yeah. with the church, the building. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, so there was a congregation that um, was determining how they could be good stewards of their space. Yeah. They were only using the building twice a week hmm. for church purposes. So they started a discernment um, process of figuring out who could they open their space to so that it is used all the time. Oh, wow. So that it wasn't just a church mm-hmm. space, but a community space. Yeah. 
And more and more churches I'm hearing are starting to do this for a number of reasons. One, because they want to be faithful in their ministry and they want mm-hmm. to be good stewards of what they have, like allowing the community to use the space for free. Other churches are doing it at a, at a small charge, right? Rather than like a venue charge, which is mm-hmm. usually astronomical, uh, but allowing their space to be used by outside places for purposes and mm-hmm. having a small fee to, to take care of, maintenance fee kind of thing. But those kinds of things, I think, you know, um, most of our churches were built by a generation that is not here anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? All of what we have has, is not just a gift from God, but a gift from previous generations. Yeah. We didn't do any of the work <laughs> to make these buildings, most of us. We are supposed to be stewards of it. We're supposed to use the gifts that we've been given. And that doesn't just mean when we're working in our regular lives, the money that we make tithing our offering, right? It, it means the building itself was a gift. And, and the life, I would say the life of the church um, is not measured by membership, but no, by mission. Absolutely. If you, if you have three members that are so active in the community that the building is alive, yeah. Keep that church alive. Absolutely, it's, oh it's yeah, living of course by itself. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. Well, and and what does church look like? Yeah, right. We're talking about this changing world and um, what transitional ministers might be doing. I know a a, a person I went to seminary with, and um, he had this um, joke that he made, but it was, it was sort of true. Um, he came into a ministry. And um, he told the session this joke. He said, you know, I, I knew a guy, a minister came in and he grew that church down to three members. <laughs> grew the church down to yeah. three members. And over time, that membership exploded. And it wow. became a congregation that was vibrant and growing in the community to two, 300 plus people. Um, and it's because transitional ministry is one of those pieces where you are are helping a church to look outside itself mm-hmm. because we are often so intro, introspective, looking at ourselves and, yeah. and wanting to make sure that our congregation, our people are taken care of because we're aging, mm-hmm. right? Like that, that's what happens when we age, we get a little more um, me focused. Right. Similar with congregation is the same thing. When we get older, we look towards ourselves because we're like, we need to make sure our bodies are healthy. Like we got all these doctor's appointments we've got to go to. The church is the same way, right? We got all these people that are wanting to make sure that the church is going to survive. Right. And we become so centrally focused Mm. that we start to dwindle from attrition Mm. rather than looking outside and recognizing even in the midst of our age, all the things that we can give to the community, our time, our talents, our resources, and that because of that, the consequence of living that ministry out is that people come into your doors, new people. Like that should be the, you you were talking about the faithfulness of three people. The consequence of faithfulness is people coming into the doors. Mm Mm-hmm a consequence of faithfulness could also be a particular building mm-hmm. closing. Yeah. I would say in the, in the there was a, a time um, when discipleship came first and then membership and then mission. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't think we were in those times and I've read so many books about that. 
um, that we are actually in the era where mission will bring up, you didn't say, uh, what was the word you said? Oh, faithfulness. Oh, yeah. 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 So um, now mission comes first. Then comes, uh, by the mission, faithfulness comes in. Mm-hmm. Then we come with discipleship. Right. And then they will become part of that church. Right. Um, and, and this is something that is not new. It's something that's been studied for the past 20 years. Yeah. Um, the new generations, the millennials, us. Yeah. The, the four, yeah, millennials yeah. of 40 years old. <laughs> Are forty years old exactly. right now, uh, and 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 of course the Zennials and the others, um, they want to see a church that's involved. Yeah, action. They they really do. You're right, and uh, this is not to say that the church isn't active, right? Yeah, correct. That we don't have um, aging congregations that are not active because they are, but we have young people in the world that want to not only see change in right. the world, mm-hmm. but be a part of that change right. to help the kingdom of God come to life. Yeah. And how can they do that? One of the best ways is through church, mm-hmm. but the only churches that I know that are just having droves of young people come and participate is those that are are like having activity style things in the community, mm-hmm. going out into the community, feeding the hungry, um, you know, like um, walking the streets, picking up litter, being right. community oriented in the ministry that they're a part of because they're able to do their hands and feet. Why? Because they don't have the money, right? right? Yeah. They have the energy mm-hmm. and the ability to do, they don't have the resources to give except their time and talent. And so yeah. let's, that's how we usher that generation to be a part of our congregations. Uh, also, transitional ministers yeah. um, could, could come to a church that feels that, that they're old mm-hmm. and they can come in and pick on the brings of those wise people that oh, are sitting yeah. there and say, wait a minute, you have all of these ideas and I've seen that. Yeah. I've done that. Yeah. You have all of these ideas here and you haven't, Set anything yet? I know. Come on. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and and can, you know, you're right yeah. because everyone's a resource, right? Right. Like when uh, when transitional ministers come in, or at least the ones that I know, and, and I do the same thing. We do uh, resource inventory. Okay. And so that that means everything. So what are the resources that we have at our disposal? Whether mm. it's monetary, you know, in the bank account, um, whether it is um, stuff, what's in the building that yeah. we have, whether it's property. And people. Yeah. The businesses around. Right. Yeah. And then you look at, you say, guess what? One of our resources is we know a plumber. Mm. One of our resources is we know a carpenter. One of our resources is we know an advertising agency. Mm -hmm. Right? Like those are resources that churches don't think about. I've got a relationship with this person. They are now a resource. Could be a resource. This is not to say that you want to to take advantage Mm -hmm. of but to recognize that churches have a plethora of resources that they don't utilize on a regular basis. And so we are much richer than we realize. We are rich in our context. Mm -hmm. We are rich in the relationships that we have. Our theology and our education, I mean. Yeah. Yeah, we can. We can. It's all the resources. And like you said, you've got these folks who don't have the energy 
to go and do, but they've mm-hmm. got the knowledge oh. and the know-how and remember the institutional knowledge to say, this. we did this 50 years ago. Yeah. We stopped it 20 years ago for some reason. Mm-hmm. And it was a wonderful ministry. What if we started that back up? Sure. How did y'all do it? Well, here's how we did it. You know, and then they yeah. go through the process of what they did to start it. And you can say, all right, how do we play that into our, our current context? Because that is a ministry we need to be a part of. I mean, I'm excited here. <laughs> I, can, I, can, I can feel the spirit of, and, and, you know, the excitement of, 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 of revitalizing yeah. um, churches and transitional ministry. Um, that's part of it. That's part of, of, of that. Um, your presbytery, Salem Presbytery, has transformed the committee of ministry um, on ministry to fulfill uh, congregational and pastoral care yes. in a different way. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about sure. that? Sure. So I'm a part of Salem Presbytery and that's in central North Carolina. And what we did was we realized that there were um, churches and ministers that were sort of falling through the cracks. Because um, mm. we have a large presbytery, I think it's 123 churches. Okay. And a bunch of members, um, uh, whether they're retired or yeah. um, active or, or whatever it may be. And it was a lot of work. Mm. Um, we currently have 48 members on our COM um, because the presbytery is so large. And we probably have vacancies. We probably need more than that. How, how many? 48. <laughs> it's huge. Wow. Um, and and so what we what we did was rather than everybody dealing with all all the things um, our our co-moderators uh, were sort of brilliant and decided what if we broke you up into task forces that were specific mm. to particular things so we broke up into six task forces I'm gonna read them off real quick um, the task force um, for transitions in ministry for installed positions mm. task force for CRE training and oversight um, COM task force for examinations the task force for ministry for a changing church, the task force for policy and compensation, the task force for care of pastors and retirees. Wow. And so that encompassed, we, we took everything that, that COM was really kind of responsible for and yeah. broke it up into those pieces. And I am the chair for the um, church in transition for called and installed positions. Mm. And so we deal with transitional ministry all the time, right? Yeah. That's that's sort of our 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 gig, our, our niche, if you will. Have you guys done something innovative to not only take, take care of those transitional ministers, but yeah. also to attract more transitional yeah, ministers? Yeah, so one of the, our presbytery, I will tell you, I am so grateful that I'm a part of this presbytery. Yeah. The, um, mm-hmm. You know, Salem is probably, um, at least now at this mm-hmm. point, is probably the healthiest Presbytery I've ever been a part of. Um, we have some requirements that, mm. that our presbytery has put into place for transitional ministry. One is you have to be a part of the transitional ministry network for Salem Presbytery. Mm. So it's a required meeting once a month where all the transitional ministers come together oh, and wow. get to talk with one another, share their stories, share what's going on in their ministry context, ask questions, ask for advice, like all the things. And so that, you know, that could be anywhere from, depending on the month, because obviously life can get in the way and meetings yeah. and such, that can be anywhere from nine people to like 16 that come together at once and are talking about transitional ministry. Mm-hmm. The other piece is our presbytery requires that transitional ministers receive two months severance oh. regardless. So 
if they leave the call early mm-hmm. because they're taking another one, then yes. that's not required. But if their contract ends or if the church says we'd like, you know, we're ready to call someone. Yeah. Then before the time, before the time is out, yeah. right? Then yeah. they receive a two month severance in order to be able to look for another position. This has done a couple of things. One, it allows for the transitional minister to feel confident that they can stay to the end of their time, yeah. right? Rather than looking for a call early, finding something, leaving before the work was done. Two, it allows for the church to know they're going to have their transitional minister. So there's some comfort in that for, from each side. Right. Um, and then the other part is, you know, with the Presbytery backing of this, because we've had folks ask about it and, mm-hmm. and are concerned that their churches wouldn't be able to, to afford that, right? Because yeah. if you're calling on a new person, then you have to pay severance for somebody else. So w- this is the part where COM really plays a good role in the timing of things. Mm-hmm. We partner with our churches who are in transition to really know step-by-step step where they are yeah. so that we can help them in their timing of calling the person so if they're in the process of calling someone, they say, okay, we really, we feel good about this person. We want to call them. We say, okay, well, you're, if you were to give notice at this point and have those two months um, where you're paying severance, then at right the end of that, then that person can begin immediately and you don't have to worry about the financial burden of that. Oh, wow. Now, some of our churches mm-hmm. have the capacity to be able to do both, sure. right? They can just... Okay, that's great. Um, but, but a lot of our churches, it's, that would be really pinching the pennies. And we're not, we're not in the business of trying to mm-hmm. burden our churches. Right. This is about pastoral care and congregational care. All of what we're doing as transitional ministers, as COMs, as presbyteries, is to make sure that our churches thrive, that they're doing the very best that they can and living as faithfully as possible. But what we were finding was that our transitional ministers were end up leaving early. And so this just helps to guarantee that that person's going to stay longer and gives them some, some clarity about where they stand and what the timing will be. Um, And I think if our, and this isn't just with Salem, but I think if, if all of our presbyteries were able to kind of guide their, the PNCs Mm -hmm. under their care, in that timing process, then they could make that kind of a, a part of what they do for their presbytery, for their transitional ministers as well, which becomes an attractive right. to say, if I know for certain that I'm gonna have two months to be able to search if I need it, yeah. most of the time you don't need it. I mean, mm-hmm. like I said, it's a pastor's market. There's almost always another transitional position available somewhere. Wow. And so, and that's, this is the thing, right? Like almost always you're gonna be able to find something else. You might have to move, but mm-hmm. you're gonna be able to find something else. And so it's rare that the two months has to be paid out mm-hmm. most of the time. Um, with our presbytery, the size that it is, it's still pretty rare that you have, even if you find something within the presbytery, it's fairly rare that they're having to pay out the, whole, the full two months. Um, so I, we are trying to envision a thing where a place where churches are taken care of, but also our pastors are taken care of because for so long, I think, and we were talking with um, Josh the other day Mm -hmm. about like pastors have a, have a desire to serve and, 
and to give of themselves so much that it, it can almost become an abusive relationship between congregation and right. pastor yeah. where they're giving, 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 giving mm-hmm. and not necessarily receiving, 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 receiving. Um, so it becomes one-sided or they're willing to do things that no other person in their right mind would be willing to do. You know, other duties as assigned for for a, a solo pastor is like everything, right? Yeah. You're the janitor, right. you're the plumber, you're, I mean, you're all of it um, as a solo pastor. And so how can we model a healthy relationship between a pastor and a congregation right. so that when they call their next long-term person, they get to live into the healthy reality versus what had previously been. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this isn't, the faithfulness of our ministers that have come before us is amazing. The fact that they are, were willing to work in the conditions that they were for so mm-hmm. long is amazing yeah. at, the, at the pay that they were willing to work. We're getting into a new reality where um, churches are having to, to recognize that in order to have a pastor, that they're gonna have to pay at a particular level now, especially with inflation and everything that's going on in the right. world, um, it's becoming more expensive. And so, how do we how do we do that in such a way that we were helping them to see for the health of the person whom you want to call? Mm-hmm. The, these, this is an important piece, and I think that's a really important part for the transitional minister: boundaries, pay, all the things that that go into a, a minister's calling. You, you have to you as a transitional have to help the congregation to recognize that, so that the next person that comes in has a a healthy model to go into rather than saying, well, our previous minister did all of these things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, well, that should they have? Yeah. <laughs> in all the presbyteries as you've been, have you, has there been a financial help for mm. those who are wanting to train uh, in transitional ministry from uh, presbytery or, or or somewhere else. Great question. So, I mean, all of our presbyteries are very different. The ones that I've been a part of have had different resources. Mm-hmm. So, the tr- presbytery that was, excuse me, that I was under care for in um, in Columbia, South Carolina, Trinity Presbytery, they had financial resources for. Um, for training and uh, new worshiping communities. They were, whether it was from previous churches closing and Mm -hmm. selling of property or just endowments that they had been given throughout the years, other other, um, presbyteries that I've been a part of have not had those kinds of resources to be able to do that. But training has always been an important piece for for everyone, right? right? Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that, um, that I would love to see and that I do for, for Salem is uh, training COMs, mm-hmm. right? So our, our COM folks about yeah. process and about how to help their congregations through the process of transition. Right. Um, and my hope is that we here at CLC, um, OGA can help to have, I don't know, model some kind of training to be able to say, here's a baseline of, mm-hmm. of knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> take it for what it's worth, take it for, from our expertise and then use it how you would like within your context for your presbytery, right? Yes. So that mm-hmm. everyone has at least a, a similar understanding of process and what we hope for for our churches who are in transition. Um, that, that's a piece that if a 
Presbytery is not currently investing in the training of their COMs in any way. And when we talk training, we're talking about certification. We are, yeah. yeah. So if if they're not if they're not um, investing in that kind of of training mm-hmm. for their minister members to mm-hmm. be certified um, as a transitional in transitional ministry in in some form, right? Whatever it may be. I urge them to, because as we were talking about earlier, every church is in transition right now, right? Right. Golly, mm-hmm. <laughs> I almost, I almost wish it was a um, a required course in seminary. <laughs> yes. Right. Like. Yes. <laughs> if, if I had had the training in seminary Definitely. as a transitional, yeah. the amount of information I would mm-hmm. have had at my disposal to go in and negotiate or just understand yeah. the basics of like, how do you enter a system? Like that would have, systems theory did not, when when I was dealing with that in seminary, that didn't prepare me for being able to like think about that from a transitional perspective. I really wish I'd had that. And I I was talking with, uh, I I took the the week one training in Union Union Seminary uh, in Virginia. And we were talking about, uh, all of us were talking about how ministry is going to change in the next 10 years. And we're going to need uh, specializations like doctors. Yes. You know, uh, the doctor will go to medical school and then go to, um, what is it, um, cardiology school or whatever. Right, right, yeah. Um, and ministers, um, the, the church now and the church in 10 years will need ministers with, with speciali- specializations. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, like transitional ministry, like uh, church revitalization, like and, and yeah, and you know, and we we can call on these people and have special gifts to train uh, others. Uh, and I don't know, I'm not I'm not part of any seminary board right now. <laughs> yeah, sure, <laughs> but, sure. But it's definitely something that is that is. If it's not needed now, it's yeah. going to be needed at least in the next ten years. Well, and it. So, and I don't know if we'll actually put this in or not, but one of the things that I, I found interesting, most of our trainers, most of our transitional trainers yeah. in the PCUSA or in the Transitional Ministry Network are yeah. older, right? Um, they've got this wealth of knowledge, but it's going to go away. When they retire, when they're done, that, that knowledge is gone. So yeah. we need to get to a place where we are training folks um, um, in the millennial age yeah. to be trainers. So we mm. need our trainers to train younger trainers so that we'll have another group of people who yes. can be with us for another 20 years mm-hmm. who are helping to train other young people as well in that process so we don't lose this wealth of knowledge because all the trainers, when I went through transitional ministry training, every one of my um, uh, faculty who were training us had eight plus transitional ministries under their belt. Wow. All of them. Wow. So the, the least amount was eight mm-hmm. and the most he had 18. He had been doing transitional ministry where he had been in 18 different settings. <laughs> like, wow. I, you cannot, <laughs> you, there's the, the amount of knowledge in that dude's right. head, right? So how do, how can we relay that? We, we somehow have to pass that down. Because <laughs> it, it's, yes, yeah. being in situations mm-hmm. is the best way to learn. But if we could at least have some of that knowledge, right. yeah. 
What what's that saying in baseball? It's like some people have forgotten more about the sport than I'll ever know, kind of thing. I I, I can't remember exactly how you term it, but so, something like that. There he he's probably forgotten more about transitional ministry than I'll ever know about transitional <laughs> ministry because of all the stuff that he has gone through. Right. I want to be that guy one day. You know, I want to <laughs> be able to to say, yeah, I don't. I, I've probably forgotten more than you know, but that's fine. <laughs> It's about wisdom. Thank above you. All. That's a better way to say it. Yeah, because it really wisdom. is. I want to be able. Mm-hmm. To, I want to be the, that wise guy, the, not a wise cracker, but a <laughs> wise guy who can relay wisdom to the next mm. group of yeah. people who want to be able to help tr- churches figure out what's next for them. Definitely. Yeah. And we're in a. I think we're in a good transition time <laughs> for us to do this. Yeah. Uh, after uh, what we've all uh, experienced. Uh, in the past three years, definitely, it's a uh, it's a way to to re envision ministry, mm-hmm. and and it doesn't matter the financial resources that mid councils have. Right, it's more it's more than that. No, it, absolutely. Yeah, and, and and if like like if you said like like, like you said, uh, if COMs are, are trained in in basic knowledge of how transitional ministry works, yeah. Um, that could work for a, for a congregation in, in any presbytery of yeah. ours. Well, and it helps them to be able to say, to go in after mm-hmm. a church has lost their minister and right. say, you, y'all really ought to have a transitional. Mm-hmm. Not, oh, let's skip that. Right. And let's try and just go for a full search. But recognize that even the healthiest of churches, a church that has, has they, their minister retired, Mm-hmm. It was a beautiful separation, right. you know. They're still living in the community, that kind of thing. Like, even in the healthiest situation, a church ought to go and have a transitional ministry. It could be healthy. It it is. It's yeah. just very healthy to reassess who mm-hmm. they are and and see where how they want to move on and um or I shouldn't say move on, but move forward. Yes. Um, because you know. One of the detriments of congregations, I think, is always saying either our minister, our, our previous minister did this, mm-hmm. right? Or um, we've always done it that way. Right. Those are, those are, those are our stumbling blocks that, that we put up because we're concerned about our comfortability, our yes. ability to, to navigate new waters, you know that <laughs> what was like that that's the dam and it's holding back the waters of 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 whatever change is coming and um and we have seen in CLC uh, of course MIFs um that um have been there for a year or two mm-hmm. and they ask us um what is going what on what can we do yeah. uh, and 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 what can we do yeah. and and sometimes our answer is you need to do a new MIF because your identity now is very different from a year ago or two years ago. Yeah, and you need to reevaluate, right. and you need to, and 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 probably you need to go to COM again and say, hey, I think we need to reevaluate everything and and just consider other options because yeah, that's absolutely. sometimes the way to go. Well, our transi- the transitional presbyter that we have currently, um, mm-hmm. uh, Reverend Dr. Barbara Smith. We were talking the other day and she was saying every church really probably three to five years probably ought to go through a assessment of themselves, wow. a reassessment. 
mm-hmm. because because our contexts with are or changing. without the pastor there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because our our, our contexts are changing so yeah. frequently and so much now that we need to be able to say evaluate mm. where we are with the ministries that we are doing and whether or not we're actually serving the community or are we serving ourselves. Mason, thank you so much for thank being you. with us. Thank you, I appreciate it. This has been a, a, an amazing um, a conversation that I know it's not going to be the 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 only conversation <laughs> that we're going to have about transitional ministry. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, uh, I hope uh, the tools that you have given us and the the knowledge in your six 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 yeah. years as a transitional minister, but uh, uh, how many years as a ordained minister? Ten and 10 years, um, just give us an insight of, of what you have experienced yeah. and, uh, and what you envision for the church. So thank you so much, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Runners who do marathons always say that the first steps are the more difficult because the body hasn't yet gotten that flow of the run and that consistency that is needed uh, for the next 10 miles or so. Those first steps take time, take a lot of energy, and it takes a lot of strength from the mind in the way of resistance. The same thing happens in call process. The same thing happens when a ministry is changing. So if we find good coaches that can train us and give us that mental stability and resistance, we can get those first steps out of the way and concentrate in the flow of what we need to do. Times are changing and they will keep on changing. We are changing and we will keep on changing. Transformation comes from the spirit and we have to know that we are together to support each other during these changes. We will encounter hard truths and we will encounter mercy. We got to remember who is the head of this church and those who are called to keep us going along the road. Thank you for being with us once again. This has been the Along the Road podcast. We look forward to crossing paths with you again soon.